It is good to be here with you today. I tell you, when I'm out, I miss you. Uh, I preached a revival, for those of you that didn't know, last week in Clayton, uh, right down the road. Had an incredible, incredible time. But man, I tell you, I, I can't stand being away from our faith family. I love, love, love being here. It's my favorite place to, to preach in the world. I'm grateful uh, to be here. Pastor Kevin did an incredible job. Really, all of our pastors do an incredible, incredible job. Uh, but man, it's good to be back in this pulpit. As you know, uh, we have been plodding through the book of Romans for a year and a couple of months now. Can you believe it's been that long? Uh, we, we still got a lot to go, uh, but we have been working through the book of Romans, and I'm grateful to God for how far we have come. Uh, we've taken a little bit of a break because I preached our strategy, uh, our sent mission strategy. You may uh, have been here for this. If you were not, go back a couple of weeks and listen to that. Really critical uh, to see where we're headed as a church. And then last week as I was out, Pastor Kevin uh, preached a standalone sermon. And for this morning, we're going to uh, continue to take a little bit of a break, but it's a very purposeful break because I want to spend a few minutes this morning talking about the Word of God. And I want to talk about why we preach through books of the Bible, why it's important for us to know that all of God's Word is profitable for us. Um, it is for our good and for God's glory. And, and we want to really lean into the why behind our reception of the Word of God. We are Bible people here, and we want to know uh, why that is important and why that matters. And prayerfully, we'll walk away uh, this morning realizing that. We're going to be in the book of James this morning. James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. If you'll find your place, uh, we'll read it in just a couple of minutes. <clears throat> but let me start by saying that for many of us, uh, even several times a day, we find ourselves standing in front of a mirror uh, to review the way that we look. And if an adjustment is necessary, and usually it is, we spend the time to get it straightened out. For someone like me, it's a lot quicker than others because hair is a non-issue in my world. Uh, and that can often uh, take a lot of time. But the truth is the mirror helps to reveal things as they really are. Yeah, I used to think that the mirror made me look ugly, but as I matured, I realized that it's the ugly that makes me look ugly, not necessarily the mirror. And that's because the mirror is a perfect revealer. It shows us what's true uh, about us as the reflection is in front of us. Well, in many respects, the Word of God is a mirror in which the Holy Spirit uses to enable us to see ourselves as we truly are. This is critical for us because we want to know how God sees us. So as we open the Word of God, here's a mirror for us to show us the things of God. There may be areas that we need to correct, and so the conviction of God comes into our life, and that's revealed to us. There may be some areas where we simply need encouragement, and God uses His Word to encourage us and to build us up and to lift us up. You know, the Bible is of great benefit to us. The problem in our world, as many would mistakenly believe, uh, is, is, is not that the Bible is irrelevant. There are many in our culture today that would say, outdated, irrelevant, no good. That's not the problem at all. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks to literally every issue that you and I could ever possibly face. The problem is that we don't read the Bible as we ought. And I'm not speaking of 
a checklist here. I'm not speaking of check the box, let's get the reading done. I'm talking about really digesting the Word of God. We're not reading it as we ought. We're not understanding it as we ought, and we're not applying the Word of God as we should in our daily living. Listen, this is what we recognize as Bible people. We recognize that God knows far better than the confused voices in our culture. Amen. Come on, somebody. Listen, we have some confused voices in our culture. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, our culture is propagating so many things that they have declared as normative, as right, and as good. And it really shouldn't be a surprise to us because those that know not Christ, we expect lost people to act like lost people. Here's where the trouble in lies. The trouble raises to the surface whenever we find ourselves adopting culture's teaching above and beyond the Word of God. We will all of a sudden believe that the Bible is fallible and we'll believe that what the world is suggesting is right and common and good. We must get to a place where we understand what Jesus says so clearly throughout his word that we are not to love the world. That's not talking about the people of the world. We are to love the people of the world. As a matter of fact, Jesus says to pray for your enemies. But we don't love the systems that the world calls good when they are contradictory to the word of God. And so we're not listening to the voices of culture. We are listening to the word of God. Now, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can disagree on tertiary issues There are third-tier issues that we can be open-handed on and disagree on. But man, we must align around the important Word of God. We must align around the truth of the Word of God. Why? Because the enemy is alive and real. And he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible calls the enemy a liar because he is the father of Lies, And we need the word of God to combat the liar that is roaming about seeking whom he may devour. I love what Louis Giglio uh, said in his book, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Here is the good news, church. I want you to hear this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so, yes, even though we have an enemy who is a liar, who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, Psalm 23 says that the Lord has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. So, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. He is with us, and we can trust in him, church, and we must trust in him. How do we get to a place where we are operating from an area of, God, we want to receive what you have for us and we want to live that out. Well, we must know the benefits that the Bible has to offer and we must know how to rightly approach the Word of God. You can stay seated and we'll break this up into three sections this morning, starting in verse 19. Verses 19 through 21, here's the first thing I want us to see. We must be receptive to the word of God. Verse 19 says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be, here's a few things here, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with 
meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let's start with what James is saying at the latter part of this portion of the text. He says that we must receive the word of God with meekness. This word meekness is clearly translated to welcome, to receive. And so we need to welcome, we need to receive the word of God. You know, my beautiful wife and I, we have three children. I used to say we had two good kids and then we had a third. And I'm convinced now that it's closer to maybe one good and, uh, one good and then two others, right? So anyway, uh, we have three children. And I remember very clearly when those three youngins were born, man. And, and I remember just the feelings that I felt. If you have kids, you know what that's like. The feelings that you feel when your children are born. Man, I welcomed my children as my own. Firstborn son two daughters, welcome them as sons and daughters in our home. I wanted them to know that I cannot wait to grow with them as their daddy. I will forever love them and lead them and care for them to the best of my ability. I wanted to welcome my children into our lives. You know, as we approach the Word of God, that's the same language that is used in receiving the Word of God. We must welcome the Word of God into our lives. And so to adequately do this, James says there's a few behaviors that we need to model. And this is at the beginning parts of verse 19 through 21. He says, first of all, we need to have the capacity to listen. He says we should be quick to hear. How many of you know that there is a big difference in simply hearing tones and vibrations and truly listening? Have you ever been in that situation where someone's talking to you and you say, oh yeah, that's cool, sounds good, all right, let's do it, fine. And then they ask you the question that you did not want them to ask. They say, hey, what do you think about it? And all of a sudden you're reeling because you don't even know what they said. You heard some noise but you didn't truly listen. What James is saying here is we need to be quick to hear, which means to listen. We need to develop an attitude that is quick to listen. What are some things right now in your life that's keeping you from listening to the things of God? What are some things in your life that's keeping you from hearing what God has to say to you in and through his word? He goes on and he says, we also need to be slow to speak. Not only should we be quick to listen, but we need to be slow to speak. We cannot be effective listeners if we're doing all the talking. We do this in conversation often. As someone's speaking to us, we're so busy formulating and structuring sentences in our, in our own brains to respond back to you that we're not listening to what you have to say because we can't wait to speak. What God is saying here through James is just like the psalmist in Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. In those rare moments of my life where I shut up for a minute, forgive my language, is that a bad word here? North Florida, it's not so bad. Where I'm, sorry, children, <laughs> like don't repeat that after me. But if you're, if in those rare moments of my life where I just am quiet for a few moments, I can hear God, man. I can hear the Lord speaking. I can hear the Lord uh, shouting. I can hear him through his word showing me what he wants me to digest and receive. But I have to pause for a moment. I have to silence my mind for a moment and just be still and hear the Lord. How do we do this? Well, we have to have a calm 
demeanor. James says to also be slow to anger, that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Yes, anger is an emotion. It's a deeply felt response to being done wrong. And Jesus even displayed this righteous indignation, this righteous anger against those who are self-righteous. And here's the problem. We are not Jesus. And we complicate even the righteous anger that is within us by inserting selfishness and wounded pride and impatience and a lust for revenge and a lot more. And James is saying, if you're really going to welcome the word of God in your life, if you're going to receive the word of God in your life, you have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We need to calm down. Why? Because when we are angered, that is a barrier to communication. You ever tried to communicate with someone that's fiery mad? It's hard. We got to calm down. We got to calm our spirit and allow the frustrations of life to dissipate in that moment so we can come before God as we approach his word, even coming to him with an honest spirit of God. I'm impatient. I'm angered. I'm bothered, but I want to rest my soul before you so I can welcome what you have for me. The fourth thing is we need a clean life. James says to lay aside all filthiness and wickedness, to lay down our sins so we can hear from God. You know, I wonder if there's anyone here today that has something in their life that is just hindering your time with God. As you approach the word and as you spend time in prayer, do you feel like there's a barrier? Do you have unrepentant, unconfessed sin that you need to bring before a holy God and say, God, I, I want to lay this aside all this filth, all this wickedness. And, you know, the Greek translation of this is earwax, oddly enough. Where are we clogged up to where we can't hear from God? What kind of filth do we have that's clogging us up to where we can't properly hear from God, man? See, here's the truth. The Holy Spirit of God in us has given us all that we need. We have all the power that we need in the Holy Spirit of God. The problem is not God fill us with more of your spirit. He's given you all that you need. The problem is we get in the way. John 3.30 says, less of me is more of Jesus. Uh, you see, we have, to, we have to get that proverbial divine Q-tip and get all the earwax out, man. Get all that filth out. And how do you do this? Well, you do this by saying, God, I want to just lay down all of my shortcomings before you. God, I know I've been walking a path that I shouldn't walk. And God, the book of James talks about living out the word of God. It's not about legalism. It's not about checking all the right boxes. It's about being genuine, being authentic. So God, help me to lay down all of it. And God, to trust in you, to rest in you. So we must welcome the word of God. But secondly, we need to be submissive to the word of God. Look at verse 22. It says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed. What is he saying? Be a doer of the word of God. Submit to the word of God. Receive the word of God. And this has two parts. We need to have the, the mind of attention, and then we need to have will with intention. And so God, give me attention of mind and give me intention of will. 
God, help me to receive clearly what you have for me. And then help me, this is what James is saying, to put feet to it. God, I'm not just going to sit back and become, you know, just happy to receive all of the head knowledge. I want the heart knowledge that moves my feet. God, enlarge my heart to where I'm ready to live out what you have for me. So as we receive God's word, listen to me, our hearts are enlarged to where we can now be doers of the word of God. We can live it out. How do we do this? Through examining the word of God, looking into the perfect law of liberty. This is speaking of someone who gazes upon the word of God. They look intently into the word of God. The language means to stoop down as Peter, John, and Mary did into the empty tomb of Jesus and declared, he is not here. He is risen. So we look, we look into the perfect law of liberty. We gaze upon the word. Here's a flawed illustration. When I was in eighth grade, I lived in this place called ISS. Anybody know what that is? You do, okay? In school suspension. I lived there, man, in eighth grade. Miss Corbett was our teacher. She was the lunchroom lady, and she was just there to hang out with us, and her and I became good friends, man. And, and I used to get so bored because I would do my work so fast, and I'd get so bored that I would go to all the young girls in eighth grade. I'd be like, hey, will you write me a letter? I feel like I'm in prison, and I just need something to read. <laughs> and so they did. They'd write me letters, and I would read through these letters, and I would read through them so fast that I'm like, huh, I thought that would last a lot longer. But then I said, hey, I ain't got nothing else to do. Let me read them differently. So I went intently into these letters. You know what I saw? I saw that all of their little eyes in the letter, they would dot with hearts. <laughs> Come on. I noticed all these little things that I'm like, I think, I think this one likes me, right? Like you would read intently and now I'm starting to see this from a different vantage point. Again, terrible illustration. But the point is, I was looking intently at those letters. Here's a better illustration. January uh, 8th, 2005, I was standing at the altar. My knees were having fellowship together. They were knocking, right? I was nervous. And my beautiful bride comes down the aisle. And I remember when we're standing face to face, man, just the calmness that came over me because I was just looking intently upon her. Her makeup looked perfect. She had a little glitter stuff in it. Her, she had these faint curls in her hair. Her eyes are just as pretty as they've ever been. And I remember gazing upon her and noticing things that maybe I hadn't noticed before because that moment was so special. And my prayer for us is that we would do what James says and that we would examine the word of God, that we would look at the word of God intently. We need to read the word of God as the love letter that it is, and we must respond to the word, which James is clearly saying, do what it says. Be a doer of the word. Often we are so quick to tell others that we are followers of Christ, yet our lifestyles scream otherwise, men. And I'm convinced that our culture is not looking for perfection. They're not looking for you and I to have everything together in every area of our lives. I think what our culture is longing for are people that are genuine, that are authentic, that really believe what they say they believe. The best compliment I ever received, ever. I was in L.A., Lower Alabama, preaching the word. And I got finished, and this guy came up to me, and he said, hey, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I was like, okay. He said, but I believe you believe what you're talking about. I said, wow. It's a compliment, man. There's a lot of things that I do wrong, but in that moment, I felt like that was a compliment because he saw in me that I really believed this, man. 
I believe this, and I, I want you to believe this. I want us to believe this collectively as a church. I don't want this to be a cultural thing for us. I want this to be, no, Jesus has changed my life. He's changed my heart. He's changed everything about me, and now I want to be a doer of the word of God. And this moves us to being moved by the word. Verse 26 and 27, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, deceives his heart, person's religion is worthless. Religion is pure and undefiled before God. The Father is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained by the word. What does this mean? This means that if we say we believe in one thing, yet our, our, man, our, our mouths are declaring something else, our social media accounts are declaring something else, our neighbors see something else in us, it's like, hey, this is not a religion that is worth anything. There's no value there. Why? Because it's not changing your life, man. You see, the one who experiences Christ, their life is changed. And the way that James says it is, hey, there's widows that are just seen as outcasts. There's no one to take care for, uh, of them. There's no one to, to love on them, to do the things that they need done. Uh, there's no system in place other than the church. So pure religion is to take care of these widows. And oh, by the way, there's orphans as well who are just cast out on the street and left there. And there's no one to pick them up and scoop them up and place them in a home. And so the church, the church is the option. You must go. Pure religion is to take care of the widow, take care of the orphan. You see, what happens when we encounter the word of God is it moves us. We do not want this great disparity between what Christians say they believe and the way Christians behave. I don't want this great disparity in my heart. I don't want there to be a disparity between what I say I believe and the way I behave. As A.W. Tozer once said, an intelligent observer of our human scene who heard the Sunday morning message and later watched the Sunday afternoon conduct of those who heard the message, that person would conclude that he had been examining two distinct and contrary religions. It appears to me that too many Christians want to enjoy the thrill of feeling right, but are not willing to endure the inconvenience of being right. Wow. John Piper says, do you feel loved by God because you believe he makes much of you or because you believe he frees you and empowers you to make much of him? <laughs> wow. You see, I want to live my life in such a way, and God help me to do this, that I receive the word of God in my life. I welcome it into my life because I know God's going to use it powerfully to do a work in and through me. And God, I want to receive your word so much that I submit to it. And when you call me to act and you call me to move, that I do so. And God, I want to receive your word so passionately that I pastor Apex Baptist Church and I do the things ministerially that God has called me to do because your word has stirred me and moved me to do so. Come on. I got to tell you, I've said this to you before, and God help me, my flesh gets in the way all the time. But I got to tell you this, and I need to be reminded of this this morning, that I don't do this out of a career move. <laughs> like if I could just go back and rewind the clock, I remember the moment that God has called me and so stirred my affections for him that he's just like open door and open door and open door. And I did my very best to step through them. And I did a lot of wrong and have done a, a lot of wrong all along the way. But my why behind this is to exalt the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and have the world know that he is worthy to be worshiped in every area of our life. And knowing Jesus, man, changes your marriage. It changes the way you parent. It changes the way you interact with your coworkers. It changes the way you view yourself. 
You see, that enemy who is a thief, who has come to kill, steal, and destroy, that enemy has often tried to whisper in my ear that my religion, that my pursuit is worthless. You ever been there? That, hey, you don't matter, right? Look at your past. Look at, look at you're ill-equipped. Look at your life. Look at your skill set. And the enemy can just beat you up to where you live a life of self-deprecation, which is also sinful, and you get in this space, this headspace that is so negative and so negative and so negative. And the enemy loves that. The enemy loves to, to oppress those who are following Jesus. And I want to tell you, some of you may be feeling that today. Some of you may be feeling just this state of, oh, man, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. You can't even articulate necessarily why. Can I tell you once again, just circling back around to Louis Giglio's book, don't let the enemy have a seat at your table. Can I tell you that if you are his, if you are in Christ, he is preparing a table for you in the presence of all of that negativity. And you can declare boldly that greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. You can only get there through receiving the word of God in your life, welcoming the word of God, submitting to the word of God, and being moved by the word. Can I tell you this? I'm Baptist to the core. I am. Uh, you know, I, when I got saved, I really wasn't aligned with any church and went to a PCA, Presbyterian church, the conservative Presbyterian churches theologically. And, and man, I, I loved the greatest preaching I ever heard. But somehow, somewhere along the way, I got aligned with the Baptists and I've been a Baptist ever since. And now I'm serving as the president of the North Carolina Baptist Convention, executive committee. I'm Baptist, y'all. But let me say this. I think that as Baptists, sometimes our favorite hymn is I shall not be moved, not because we're standing on the solid rock of Christ, but because we feel like we should never be moved by the power of the Holy Spirit of God in us. And I got to tell you, we need to move past that thought of never being moved by God's word. And we need to get into the word of God and even sometimes emote the reality that my God has changed my life. And I want to give my life to him. And I, I want to live a sense life that has been changed by the power of God. And if I can't wear that on my face in joy, then, hey, something's wrong. I want the world to know, man. Yeah, it's tough. Life's tough. Things are hard. There's difficulties that abound all around us. But greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. And I want to walk in the joy of Christ, making much of him because he's given us this precious life to exhaust it for his glory. How do we get there? Get in the word. I would encourage you, come to church. You're here. It's a great job. Bring others with you. All right, part of that sent plan is we're going to open up the gym, create more space. We're praying about God giving us a bigger sanctuary. We've got plans. We need some things to happen. But bring people with you. It, listen, hear the word. Get into the word. Spend time throughout the week feeding yourself in the word. Get into a life group. Plug into a life group. This is critical. This is necessary. Get into the word. Why? We need the word of God. We need to hear what Jesus is saying. Again, far beyond, check the box. Oh, man, this is approaching the Lord and saying, God, you're worth it. You're worth it. So as we preach through books like Romans and some other difficult books that we're going to do for years to come, by God's grace, you're going to come across some passages that are like, man, what does this mean and why is this here? Can we just, can we just agree that every ounce of God's word is profitable? Every ounce of God's word matters. Even the weird genealogies matter. And we're gonna, we're gonna be Bible people and we're not gonna let the voices of culture disciple us. Come on, 
We're not going to let the news disciple us. We're not going to let social media disciple us. We're not going to let culture disciple us. We're going to be discipled by the word of God. And the word will show us where to go, how to get there, how to interact relationally. The word will show us what to do, but we must be Bible people. If you're here and you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus, man, what a great day for you to be here. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call on his name today, man. That's awesome. And I'd love to talk to you about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. I'd love to. If you're here and you're a Christian and maybe you have some sin that's just become a barrier for you, right? Like you want to both be blessed by God but stay wallowing in your sin. Can I just tell you today, it's never going to happen. You need to get to a place where you repent of that and trust in the goodness of who he is, okay? Maybe you're here and you're, you're, you know, what I just mentioned a few moments ago, you're in this place where just in your own thinking, it's just not been good, right? Like you're at this place where you're just like, man, I just feel like God, God doesn't have a purpose in my life and I feel like I'm just struggling and I feel, that's spiritual warfare, man. And maybe today you need to declare that God has prepared a table for you. And he's greater than all of that. And you need to stop wasting your life. And listen, this is from one brother to another brother, another sister that's here. Stop wasting your life in the doldrums of that ill thought. I know there's a medical side to that. I'm not speaking of that. I'm talking about the everyday lies of the enemy that we buy into. Don't waste your life believing those lies. Exhaust your life saying, no, God, you're worth it. And the reality is, I have nothing to offer. But what I do have is the power of you at work in and through me. Corinthians is one of my favorite books. You want to know why? Because Paul says, I boast all the more in my weaknesses because in my weakness, I am made strong in him. In your weakest area today, you can be made strong in him. That's why we need the word so that we can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit of God that's in us, less of us, more of him. God, may we trust you today. God, thank you for your power. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the truth in your word. Thank you for how you shape us and mold us to be more like you. God, thank you that you use even the more difficult passages like we've been in in Romans to show us how sovereign you truly are that you've got the whole world in your hands, that you know everything about us even better than we know ourselves. So God, help us today to respond to you and help us this week, God, to feast off of your word. Thank you in advance, Father, for all that you're gonna do. And we pray this in the powerful name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen.